0: Thank you for tuning in to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. You're about to hear a live sermon, which was recorded at our 11 a.m. contemporary service. We are thrilled to share it with you. Thank you for listening. Well, I want to remind you before I get going uh, about an announcement that you may have seen on the screen. This Wednesday at 6 p.m. in this space, we're, we have a presentation called From Groveway to Broadway. Um, One of our ministries is called Neighborhood Action Ministries where we partner with our local neighbors in ministry doing tutoring, a chess club, all sorts of things. And on the other side of the RPC Cemetery is an apartment uh, complex called Groveway. And so they're young people. We've invited them to come over and put together a performance uh, like as if it was on Broadway. It's going to music and dancing and a play. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be in here. We invite our community to come and support those young people on 6 p.m. in this space on Wednesday. It's going to be a really fun time. Also, uh, we're continuing in our sermon series looking at the great I Am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And last week, as only Randy Jackson can do, he, he um, <laughs> talked about how Jesus is the resurrection, the resurrection and the life. And he said, uh, it was kind of a dark humor about death. But then he said, you know, the final word we hear in Jesus Christ is that God overcomes and defeats the power of sin and death in the world. And so it was a real hopeful message. And if you missed it, you can go find it on the RPC website. But today we continue, continue looking at these I am statements of Jesus. But before I read our passage, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you have called us here today, to hear a word. And each of us come from different places in our lives, and so we need to hear a different word. And so we ask that you, by your Spirit, might speak to our hearts as only you can speak. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. In John's account of the story of Jesus, where chapter 15 falls, it comes after the Last Supper, and the disciples and Jesus are making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as they're walking along, the sun has set, darkness has fallen, the disciples are getting tired. And their route would have taken them in Jerusalem by the temple. And as they're walking by, I can imagine that Jesus looks up at the side of the temple, And he sees this sculpture of a golden vine with great clusters of grapes. The Roman Jewish historian said they were as big as a man. And we can imagine that Jesus is walking by, and he he kind of points them out. He says, hey, guys, do you see that vine? And then he says something like this. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, You can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Jesus is walking along with his disciples, going from the Last Supper, going to the Garden of Gethsemane. They don't have much time left. And they walk by the temple. And Jesus sees this great golden vine sculpture, looks up and says, guys, guess what? I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. Now these guys would have been raised as Jewish boys. They would have been familiar with this imagery that comes from the Old Testament. One of the most vivid examples we have of vines and grapes We have in Ezekiel, this great prophet Ezekiel in chapter 17. He has this vision that God gives him, and he says that there were these cedar trees in Lebanon, and an eagle comes and gets a branch and takes it to a far off land and plants it in the soil. And there it's fertile soil and it grows into a great vine. Another eagle comes and waters the vine, and it continues to grow. In fact, Ezekiel writes, it was transplanted to good soil by abundant waters so that it might produce branches and bear fruit and become a noble vine. What Ezekiel is saying here, the point is, he's saying, as the people of God, you're going to be taken away to a far and distant land. But when you're there, plant yourselves and flourish. Grow into a great vine. And so it's this great tradition that Jesus draws on when he says, I am the true vine. The true vine. He's saying, where, where the people of God, where where humanity has fallen, Jesus will achieve. He will follow the, the commandments of God. Where we have fallen, he will succeed. And he's saying, I'm, I'm gonna show you what a good life looks like. I'm gonna show you how to live a life. I am the true vine. I'm gonna show you how to flourish. Be a part of the vine. Now, to be a part of the vine, this is not an easy thing. It's not just smooth sailing. Did you notice Jesus has some tough words, some tough truths for us in this passage? In verse 2, he says, He, or the vine grower, removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to, ba- to make it bear more fruit. Now, Jesus here is referring to the counterintuitive principle of addition by subtraction. In other words, sometimes you have to cut away and so you can grow more. So, for instance, in business, sometimes you have to to sell away part of your company so that you you can focus in on your core business. You have to prune. In dating, I've tried this. You can try to date multiple girls. But eventually, you got to decide. you got to focus in on your one true love. In sports, when you lift weights, you're breaking down the muscle in order so that it will grow back more. You have to prune it in, in gardening. You have to prune your bushes in order so they will flourish. Pruning is a part of flourishing. But let me tell you, pruning can be hard it going to be so hard. Courtney and I bought our first house a few years ago. And one of the previous owners of this house was a famous landscape architect and gar- master gardener named Daniel Franklin. His, all his papers are collected at the University of Georgia. And so now his garden is now my garden, and I'm not much of a gardener. Okay. And so I hired this guy, Patricio. Patricio to take care of my garden. Now, this garden was regularly voted in the top 500 gardens in America yearly. And so Patricio is my gardener. The thing is, is Patricio doesn't speak much English, and I don't speak much Spanish. And this past spring, I noticed that one of our, our boxwood bushes were, were beginning to die. And I said, Patricio, I pointed, him, I said, what's going on with him? He looks at me and he says, podar. And podar in Spanish means to prune. And so I said to him, see podar, which in Spanish means, yes, prune. <laughs> well, I must have maybe, something may have gotten lost in translation because he may have taken that to mean excessively prune. Because Courtney gets home and says, Jeff, What have you done to my bushes? I said, I look at it. They're like little stumps now. I thought to myself, well, Jesus did say. Every bush that doesn't bear fruit needs to prune. You need to prune it so it will bear fruit. And Just a couple weeks ago, I was drinking my morning coffee, and I looked out the back window, boxwood bushes, and I saw new green growth on the branches, and I said, praise Jesus. (laughs) You see, this is addition by subtraction. You sometimes have to cut off what is holding you back so that you can flourish, so that you can grow. For some of us, this might mean we have to change jobs so that we can spend more time with our families. For others of us, it might be we might have to forego the $5 Starbucks latte every day so that we can tithe. For others, it might be focusing on our diet and cutting it down so we'll bring down our cholesterol. I could go on and on, but this is addition by subtraction. Sometimes we have to prune in order to flourish. That's the addition by subtraction of the spiritual life. But there's also a different kind of contribution to flourishing, addition by addition, There are positive things that Jesus wants us to do that we can do in order to flourish. So he says this in verse three, you have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And then in verse nine, he returns to this theme. He says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now this word abide can also mean to dwell. It's asking the question, where do you find your home? Where do you settle down? Where do you rest? Where do you find comfort and peace? Jesus is saying, I want you to abide in me. I want you to abide in me and my words. I have said all that you need to know. Now go and do it. Abide in what I've shown you, the kind of life I've shown you. A life of integrity. A life of compassion. A life of love. When you know what you're about, there's a certain settledness to you. You can abide. Things won't bother you because you know what you're about. There's a certain peace and settledness to the Christian life when we abide in Christ. Back when I was in college, the Cohen brothers put out a movie called The Big Lebowski. And it tells this story of this slacker guy who lives in Los Angeles. He goes to the grocery store in his bathrobe, he drinks white Russians before noon. He smokes way too much marijuana. This is not the kind of guy you want as a role model for college students. But there he is. And the the narrator of the movie calls him the dude. That's what they know him as, the dude. And the narrator, there's this theme in the movie that he says, the dude abides. The dude abides. And what it means is this guy is so chill, nothing bothers him. Nothing perturbs him. When his friends get bothered, when they get thrown out of whack, he just knows who he is, and he just kind of continues to float through life. The dude abides. Love that word, abides. The dude is played by an actor named Jeff Bridges. Another of my friends in the early aughts was, um, was working at a catering company outside Los Angeles. And he was catering this big party, this big event, and Jeff Bridges was there. And my buddy was a huge fan of the Big Lebowski. And he sees Jeff Bridges there. And he knows, as the hired help, as part of the catering company, he is not supposed to talk to the guests. But he can't help himself. So he walks over to Jeff Bridges. He taps him on the shoulder. And Jeff Bridges turns around. My friend says, Mr. Bridges, I love The Big Lebowski. It's my favorite movie. I just, I can't tell you what joy, how funny I think it is. Thank you so much. And Bridges looks at him says, the dude abides. <laughs> and I thought that was the coolest response. The dude abides. He's not perturbed when the hired help comes up and asks him a question he's not bothered. The dude abides. He knows what he's about. He knows he's at peace. And Jesus says the same thing. When you abide in the vine, you know what you're about. You know what your life rests on. You know what you care about. You will abide in me. If you, make, if you abide in the vine, be a part of me. So the last question that I have for us is this. In which direction is the vine growing? What's the purpose of the vine? What's the, what's the payoff? What's the benefit of being a part of the vine about abiding in Christ? In verse 11, did you notice what Jesus says? I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Oh saying, I want your joy to be made complete. When you abide in the vine, your joy will be made complete. Now, we have to be careful here. We should not confuse joy with pleasure. You see, joy uh, is a never-finished a product. It's generative. It goes on and on. It's eternal. It's new. It's creative. It's not pleasure. It increases and goes on and on. This is why the great 19th century writer, G.K. Chesterton, in his towering text, Orthodoxy, he says, joy is the gigantic secret of the Christian. Also, C.S. Lewis, when he was looking back at his early life and his conversion experience about how he gave his life to Christ, he titled it, Surprised by Joy. The gi- gigantic secret, the gigantic surprise of the Christian life is joy. I think this is what people are looking for. We're looking for a sense of joy in our lives. We want to be a part of a community that is about joy. This is why at RPC, our mission statement as Roswell Presbyterian Church is a family of faith united in Jesus Christ. We could substitute family out for vine. We're united in the vine in Jesus Christ. He brings us together, and that vine is growing towards true joy. We are a community of joy. I want to conclude with one of my favorite passages from literature. One of the books that's probably most identified with my generation, for those of us who grew up in the 90s, was a book called A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. It's by an author named Dave Eggers. It came out in 2000. Dave grew up with his family in Chicago. In his early 20s, within a couple weeks, both of his parents died of cancer. And so he received guardianship of his younger brother, Topher, and they moved to San Francisco. There he started a magazine, and he and his brother, they tried to wrestle with their grief and their sadness. Eventually, Dave went to apply to try to get on Real World San Francisco. The interviewer asks him, why do you want to be on the show? And he says, well, I've gone through this great tragedy. And I, need, I want to share my grief with people. I want, I want to be supported. I want to expand my circle. I want to make new friends. What he says here, he, makes, uh, he uses the word a lattice. He wants t- to build a lattice of relationships. So I want to quote here because I think the very thing that Dave Eggers is talking about is the spiritual point Jesus is making. The lattice that we are either a part of or apart from. The lattice is the connective tissue. The lattice is everyone else. The lattice is my people, collective youth, people like me, hearts ripe, brains aglow. The lattice is everyone I have ever known. I see us as one, as a vast matrix, an army, a whole. Each one of us is responsible to one another because no one else is. All these people know all the same things and truly hope for the same things. It's undeniable that they do. And if we can bring everyone to grab a part of the other, like an arm at the socket, everyone holding another's arm at the socket, and if we can get everyone to, instead of ripping this arm from the socket, instead hold to it tight and thus strengthening, then connections between people, the people you know, become a sort of lattice. And the more people, good people, they must be good people, who know that they are here to help, the more of these people you know and that know you and know your situation and your story and your troubles or whatnot, the wider and stronger the lattice. In Jesus Christ, we are united as a part of the divine, a part of this great lattice where we share life together, where we're holding each other's arms through pain and joy. Through agony and ecstasy, from the wide spectrum of human emotions, we are together as a part of the vine, united in Jesus Christ. This has been especially relevant to me the past two weeks. Um, A good friend of mine died by suicide. And I just, I don't know how it would go on, but there's a vine here. This staff and this church holding each other by the arms. As we wrestle with the mystery of death, of life, we struggle, we're not alone. We're a part of the vine united in Jesus Christ as we go towards the completion of joy. This is what this community is about. This is what Jesus is about. And so as he looks up at the great vine, he says, I am the true vine. Abide in me. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for all that you have done for us, that we are not alone, that you invite us to be united as a part of the vine, as this great great lattice work that holding on to each other and knowing that that lattice and that vine stretches its way to complete joy. We thank you that you, by your grace, invited us to be a part of it. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the RPC Sermon Series podcast. If you'd like more info about Roswell Presbyterian Church, check out our website at roswellpres.org.